Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Now, it seems like all I can see was the struggle haunted by ghosts that lived in the past, in my past, bound up in shackles of all my failures. Wondering how long is this gonna last? Then you look at this prisoner and say to me, daughter, stop fighting a fight that's already been won. I am redeemed. That's one of my favorite songs by Big Daddy Weave. And today our guest, Tamara Andres, who is the CEO and founder of Core Creatives Women's Business Membership and the host of Fit and Faith Podcast. She is joy-filled and she's a Christian woman's business coach serving to illuminate, create, and activate God-centered businesses for kingdom impact. And she is here to help you turn your pain into purpose and what it means to walk out being a woman redeemed. Welcome to the show, Tamara. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be amazing. And I also love that quote. And I love that you started it with that because it just permeated my soul. I think it brought me to center. So I'm excited to see where this goes. One of my favorite songs. So, you know, I've gotten to to know you over the past couple of months. And when I heard you speak, I heard something very special. But I want you to tell us and I want you to tell all our viewers and listeners, who is Tamara? Yeah, Tamara is in the making, and I say always becoming. I don't believe that I am yet the fullness of who God has planned for me to be while I'm here. However, I know just as I am today, I am fully loved and fully known in that place of imperfection and yet perfection in his eyes. And so we exist, all of us, in this place of I am here and I am present. And I am who I am in the past and I am who I am in the future. And it all combines together. And that is beautiful and that is okay. And I think so often we get stuck in the past of who I used to be and identity is formulated based on titles. And even as you were saying my um, bio, right? I I can't stand those sometimes. I I just did a, a whole conversation in training around not not pouring into this concept of elevator pitch like it's not about the elevator pitch like I want to take the stairs with you I want to get out of breath with you I want to experience the highs and the lows and the views and everything in between and so Tamara today is your friend Tamara today is your counterpart Tamara today is your listener your um and the person who just wants to encourage you to um exist in the best sense of yourself whoever that is right now I just love that I am who I am, and I want to take the stairs with you. I want to get out of breath. Yeah, <laughs> I want to do the work. Let's journey together. That's that's what I hear. <laughs> yes, so much so. That's the thing about taking the stairs. It's not always easy. It's hard. Sometimes, some days you can skip the stairs and you're feeling good. Some days you need to take a seat. And and as an entrepreneur and somebody who coaches people specifically in that, I get it. This past month has been really hard for me on a personal level. I lost my nana, who is near and dear to my heart, and ended up taking my mom to Mexico, which is where I am now. Uh, Unexpectedly, my 
my, my schedule has been bananas. My emotions have been crazy while also trying to maintain everything. And that's okay. And if I continue, just like most of us try to continue on the elevator where it's easy and you're just going up to somewhere you're not sure without taking that break, you can break. And I've been in that in my own journey. And so that's part of, part of how we got connected in my uh, vulnerability of sharing bits and pieces of that. Which I just loved it. I gravitate towards realness, vulnerability, but sharing a story with a point and never making a point without a story. But I do want to give you a, a little space because, you know, it, it did touch my heart when you talked about the legacy. But tell us a little bit about your Nana. Yes, Nana's amazing. Thank you for asking. She is a woman of joy, which is, you know, something I tap into all the time. She will make anyone smile, but she's also somebody who eagerly is expecting a compliment, which can sound really bizarre and terrible, but as somebody who was connected to her, you wanted so desperately to give her that attention because you saw how much it filled her. And I think that there's such an a component for us to take to heart in that, because what happens often when someone gives you a compliment? It becomes this fleeting moment of almost rejection, right? And we we take it and we leave it and we say, oh, no, 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 this old thing, I'm wearing this old hat, I'm wearing this old dress, or you look great. Oh, I could use a few, I could lose a few pounds, or um, that was an amazing time. Like you were just speaking was so great. Mm, there were some gaps. I actually didn't do that great. So you're receiving something and rejecting it. And my Nana was never that. She consumed a compliment unlike anyone I I've ever seen. And on the contrary, completely gave it back. And it wasn't the same. Oh, you look good. Oh, you do too. She actually was considering you before you were even considering her. And so she couldn't wait to compliment you back. But there was this just beauty and symmetry of how she existed. And the most beautiful thing, which is also a lesson from Nana is the, the life's simplicity. I had taken her for her, what was it? 87th birthday um, out to, to breakfast. And I said, Nana, if I could give you anything in the world, and I was willing to give her anything in the world, I'm like, Nana, I would take you around the world. Like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? She got this huge grin on her face. And she said, I want a hundred dollar bill. And I was like, almost spit my water out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Thinking I could, I could give that to you right now, but I didn't want to take away the value of what that meant to her. She was a simple woman who had many entrepreneurial journeys, many husbands, in fact, um, and she was a thrifter. Like everything she did was around thrift shop. And I just, I took that moment and instead of it being, oh, let me just stroke you a check or let me just give you that hundred dollar bill. I waited all the way until her next birthday. And I could not wait to give her that card. And you should have seen her sweet face. And so the lesson in that is knowing that simplicity is valuable and knowing that money, while it can seem like the one thing people go after is actually not the important thing at all. And we hear it all the time, you know, money is the root of all evil, right? And especially in the Christian space. And that's actually not a biblical phraseology at all. Um, God that we serve is abundant. The God that we serve is a prosperous God. The God that we serve put gold inside the Garden of Eden. And so it's ours for the taking and ours for the making, but it's not a priority. 
And so she never lived her life with that being a priority. And I want to take that from her and continue to steward the people that are in my community and, and people like you that I get time to spend with. So I hope that that is a treasure to you. Uh, we called her a peacock uh, because she just like <laughs> ruffled her feathers everywhere she went and wanted to show off. And so we saw, we've seen so many peacocks on this trip to Mexico. And so this is special that we're even having this conversation. Thank you, Janie. Well, she certainly sounds like a special lady and you gifted us with sharing pictures of her and such special moments, you know, and, and that just reminds me of what that special feeling I had gotten um, from from you. And that's just a woman redeemed, which we named this episode uh, in your honor, woman redeemed, you know, whose life and presence is, I think of it as a brightly lit street, <laughs> shining the way for others, being a voice, the gift giver and a creative force when all your colors and all the things that creative force to help others know that redemption is possible and available. So share with us your road to redemption. I mean, it's just a powerful story. And, and in my Women Redeem space, a lot of women come from certain spaces of shame, of things that have occurred, and um, on that journey of trying to break free, but not being able to set it free, and then find themselves in what we call trauma repetition and the same story, same um, situation, but just with a different person, different scenario. So please, mm -hmm. I, I want a gift our uh, audience with hearing your story of your road to redemption of being a woman redeemed. Thank you. Yeah, I think um, just speaking into that concept of shame, it's a huge part of my story. And it began when I was very young, um, but I didn't know that it was something I was carrying until I was 29. And so I think that that is a common thread in a lot of women. Uh, it's a common thread of mental health. It's a common thread in broken marriages. It's a common thread in um, physical uh, shaming and guilt that we carry um, in motherhood even. And so uh, all of those things were a part of my story. And when I was 29. I was the CEO of two different businesses. I was working about 60 to 70 hours a week. Um, I was like literally speaking to the $100 bill living based on the dollar dings that would happen on my phone. And I would get so excited. And I had a global company and a local company. And I also had a one and a two-year-old at home, barely one, actually. She was exactly about nine, 10 months when this happened. And um, an amazing husband who was also an entrepreneur. So we were living that American dream. Uh, he and I was doing what he was doing well, and we had nice cars, and we were the youngest family in the neighborhood, and um, yet everything from the outside looking as good and wholesome as it did, we were drifting, and, and I say we, it was really just me. He didn't even know that any of this was emotionally happening inside of me, um, but I was, I was striving. I was achieving. I was going after what everyone else told me that I needed to do, what success is supposed to look like, and I was putting things that are super valuable to the wayside. Um, and I thought this is this is my life's purpose. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I went to college for. This is what everyone applauded me for when I was in elementary and middle and high and college and thereafter. And all these other entrepreneurial ventures have led to this moment. Meanwhile, at home, there was this sense of, of brokenness. There was this sense of never spending time together. Um, and I pulled into the driveway one specific day and my barely waddling, just weaned um, from nursing, nine-month-old started, instead of coming to me, going back to her father who had been with her all day. And it was this heart sink moment that I just was like, this is not, this isn't what I want. This is not what God made me for. 
Meanwhile, I was also not in my faith to the extent that I am now. I knew that there was a God that existed. Um, I had actually been a youth leader when I was younger in high school, um, but I had just drifted from the knowing, right? I had drifted from even knowing what intimacy was. I didn't even experience that until after this moment. And it wasn't just this moment. Lots of things led to it. But Throughout that entire week, the same week that I pulled into the driveway, my husband kept calling out in me, you're a woman of integrity. I'm so grateful that you're a woman of integrity. And just like that, and I'm so glad this paralleled Nana um, conversation of, of rejecting, I was rejecting that statement because I knew it wasn't how I felt inside and I knew it wasn't present in my actions. And so I was just rejecting as if words of affirmation weren't my love language. And if you've ever studied Gary Chapman's love languages, I would truly encourage you to do so. So you understand how you give love and how you receive love. And he knew words of affirmation were not my love language they're his love language, but he just kept pushing in because he didn't know what else to do because he could see me and sense me drifting. And so what I mean by drifting is physically everything in the mirror was for the exterior. Mentally, nothing was of depth. Everything was on supersonic speed. Um, materialism became an addiction. I was shopping because it felt good for the moment. And I was wearing clothes because it was an expectation. Um, and everybody else was. It was like that keeping up with the Joneses mentality. Alcohol began to be something that I would do every day, uh, not because I needed it, but because I thought that that's what the expectation was, especially in, as a CEO of a bunch of people who were in their early 20s with no responsibilities, right? Happy hour became work hour and work hour became happy hour. And there was just this a lot of muddiness happening in my life. And so upon that time, we had a heart to heart and the word divorce came up and I never in a million years would have thought this would be a conversation I would be having. But I knew in that moment when my daughter walked away that this is not my tombstone. This is not what God has made me to be. And when I die, I want to be a good wife and I want to be a good mother. And I want to set out to be a good daughter and a good sister and a good friend. And actually entrepreneur doesn't really mean that much. It's the relationships within entrepreneurship that matter. And so we had those conversations. I was in a place of complete and utter brokenness. Um, I had stepped out in so many different ways outside of the identity, outside of the integrity of who God wanted me to be, even as a wife. And so we made a choice that you're going to let go of these things. And in that release, I became very depressed. I did not know who I was, uh, even to the point of suicidal thoughts that were just rummaging through my brain, especially at night. I was having full body panic attacks. I was shaking head to toe. My husband was holding me against my will. I didn't really want him to do that because, again, intimacy was broken. I remember waking up in the morning and going to my computer and searching, where do I go? I need to get checked in somewhere. And there was nothing where, where what's wrong with me. I didn't even know what was wrong with me. Am I depressed? Am I anxious? Am I suicidal? Am, am I an alcoholic? No. Am I a shopaholic? No. Like, am I sexaholic? I don't know. What am I? I, I truly didn't understand, but everywhere that I looked at, I was going to be gone for 30, 45 days. I didn't have the money to check myself in somewhere. I had two little kids at home. I'm in the midst of living this life. That's not my own in my own flesh. And I've got to show up. I can't be extracted, though the CEO positions could be. So we chose that route. I let go of those and we poured into mental health. I was going so much so. We've spent probably $100,000 just in therapy. I ended up finding an amazing church um, in that process. 
this, I found out through a wave of blood through reading a book that I had been sexually abused when I was about, it was between three and four years old. Um, and that was the root. And so I have an entire course. I speak to this all the time about the importance of understanding your root system, understanding how these habits were started, understanding why these habits were started, ha healthy habits or negative habits, right? There both. Um, and these things that fall out of line with your intended identity based on one simple thing. And so while sexual abuse is not simple, and it happened specifically with a child who was around 10 years of age and had a mental handicap. So shame right there. I didn't even know what shame was at that point, but I knew I couldn't tell anyone. I knew I was actually with physical fingers shushed into that place of shame to touch and grope this child who was a man in my perspective because he was huge. Um, and this persisted in so many sexual realms in my life um, into pornography, into cyber sex, into masturbation, into conversations with the opposite sex that then led into sexual pleasuring later and, and, all the spouse, people, things, all the things that could happen, happened, right? And shame, utter shame. I didn't look at myself for 30 days in the mirror. I still brush my teeth, don't worry, just not in the mirror because I couldn't stand there looking at a void, vacant vessel. I didn't know what that meant. And so together, my husband and I chose not divorce, the antithesis of what society tells us should happen next. He, he leaned into me. And he held my face cheek to cheek when I was crying. And my two-year-old wiped my eyes and said, without knowing anything, mama, don't cry. Dada, save you. Dada, help you. And nobody could have known this brokenness of who we were called from the outside, Barbie and Ken. All they knew was that I wasn't conversating with people. I wasn't at the same parties that I was at. These CEO positions had gone vacant. And she was a church girl. She was a Bible thumper now at this point. And I got blanketed with new titles, but the difference was intimacy came into my life like a floodgate. Jesus showed up for me in a place of complete and utter brokenness, in a place of shame and guilt where I couldn't even look my husband in the eyes. And yet he did. And he lifted my chin in this moment. I'll never forget it. And this is why joy and light are so infused with who I am to this day, because there was just so much light. And he said, I see you. I know you. And I still love you. And that song by Torin Wells was on repeat in my home. You are fully known. You are fully loved by me. And I had never been fully seen because I had never allowed myself to be fully seen. And so when I show up and I talk to people about being vulnerable, and I talk to people about authenticity. I'm doing it past moments of shame. I'm doing it past guilt. I'm doing it past a facade because it's a hard thing to do, but it breaks you free from the shackles that society tries to put on you and depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts and coping mechanisms of alcoholism and shopaholic and materialism and consumerism and every ism that exists they no longer become important because they no longer bind you. And so I am a woman redeemed and everyone else has complete access to the same door that I walked through. So that's a bit more about me. <laughs> 
a woman redeemed indeed. And thank you just for sharing your story and your vulnerability, you know, because I do believe, you know, part of one of the things that we do in our 12 week woman redeemed program is building up to us. We have pillar one, pillar two, pillar three, and pillar two where people share their story and they share their story in a place of safety so that they can unlock some of the shame and lessen some of that. And also other people are inspired. So someone needed to hear your story to be inspired and, you know, a part of that, I want to uh, shift a little bit to mindset, because to me, it's all connected. Yeah. You know, we don't have to go far, you know, when we think about social media to find people that are constantly imitating like ideals and opinions of the culture around us in particular, which is so easy for many people to, to do. But how have you, when you kind of think about the journey that you just took us on, how have you limited yourself with what I call the protocol mindset, doing what others say you need to do, show up how everyone else is, what the culture, what TV, all those things, as opposed to the permission mindset, which is where God guides. What do you continuously Mm -hmm. do to keep free of that trap, right? When we're a woman redeemed, redemption is free, but there's also a journey because then you become a threat, so to speak. So what do you do to stay free? So a big part of my husband and I is like coming to know each other and to be intimate enough was this process of one communication, which I don't think we all do enough of, and we are never taught, right? It's one of those things in school, you're, you're never taught how to communicate, just like they don't necessarily teach you how to do checks and balances in your checkbook anymore, which they should, but two totally different things, but it was this knowing of intimacy through communication. And so through that, I had to be seen and allow myself to be known and allow myself to be vulnerable. But I couldn't do that when I was having all of these, um, what's the word, sensory overload all the time, because I couldn't decipher what was my actual emotion and what was the thing being presented to me? What did I actually want or what did I actually need? Because the wants became the thing that's constantly flashing, right? If you have shiny light object syndrome, where like everything is like, I got to go here. I'm a squirrel. I'm a rabbit. I want to go see all of these things. So in order for me to really sit with myself and be able to understand who is Tamara and that identity process, I had to shut all those things out. And so I, to this day, don't listen to secular music. I, to this day, do not watch secular TV. I've gone to the movies because I love the movie theater and we have had some awkward date nights watching some awkward rated R movies and it's (laughs) uncomfortable. And afterwards we're like, we're never going to do that again. So basically now we go to like shoot them up movies and thriller things that he likes. And I'm like, that was terrible. I don't want to watch that anymore. (laughs) And so I've literally had to cut people out. I had to cut family members out that I love deeply and have rekindled relationships with. But in that time frame, we always said that our priority was our nucleus. And in the Bible, it tells you to leave and cleave, right? And, and this is a marital process. And I'd never done that. I lived 17 houses down from my parents. My mom was my best friend, not my husband. My mom got priority in my parenting, not my husband. There's nothing wrong with my mom. My mom's amazing and her value add to children because she has a daycare and preschool for 33 years mattered, but not as the primary person and not as the primary thing coming in my ear. So when you think about your senses, what are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? Right. And, and watching is a massive thing. If I was a bachelorette fan, right. Bachelor nation. And I was living in this ulterior world of what is intimacy and what is love. And that sounds crazy. You're probably like, I watch bachelor all the time. It's never affected me like that. 
Are you sure? Are you sure? I loved country music. I've been to like got the mega ticket every single year to the amphitheater and all my friends went all the time and country music is like, people are like, oh, is that a big deal? It's like dang, 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 right? Like, what are you actually listening to? Well, it's actually talking about broken relationships and sex and what a female should be looking like and what are leisure days all around alcohol and beer and no, like that's not, and there's nothing wrong with country music. I love country music still, but it's not what needs to infuse your spirit on a consistent basis. And that's the difference is once you get into a place of alignment, and this is truly what it's about. It's about alignment. And I'm not a prude. I'm really fun. I love to go out. I love to dance. I, I love to hang out. I'm, I'm actually now two years sober. Um, and I say sober, really, I just say alcohol free because I didn't have like an alcohol problem, but it was a choice that we made as a couple. Um, because at a four o'clock, I would be like, okay, you know, I want a glass of wine. And we were very health conscious in our home. And my four-year-old came up to me and he's like, can I have some? And I'm like, no, actually you can't. This is a drink for adults. And he asked why. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, we're so conscientious. We're gluten-free. We're paleo, all these things of what goes into your body and what I'm putting in my body, you're not allowed to have because it's not healthy for me. So it can't be healthy for you. And this idea, just going back to that communication with my husband, that intimacy with my husband, we said this thing and we say this all the time, that submission is victory. If you can submit one of these things, you don't have to do all of them. Maybe it's bit by bit. Maybe it's when you're convicted. The alcohol didn't come when the secular music came. I thought this is fine. Jesus drank wine, right? I'm fine. And it was just bit by bit. I allowed myself to live in a place of my hands wide open, waving a white flag. No title mattered, no sense of identity, no cultural uh, acceptance, no brewery was more important than my relationship with myself, my relationship with my God and my relationship with my nucleus. And so we live in a place of submission. We live in a place of conviction. Every time I have a podcast, every time I sit with someone like you, Janie, I am actually eagerly looking and I've prayed before I've entered into these, these spaces say, God, what do you have to teach me today? What do I need to learn? Not what can I pour out, which that's, I'm a vessel. That's my job. That's why I'm here. But additionally, what am I here for? Because I know I'm still becoming. And so I know that you're teaching me something in this moment. And now I get to hear from Nana and I get to hear from the Holy Spirit. And there's so much that we have an ability to do every single day to say yes and to say no. And so this question, I hope that Janie asks every single person is something you ask yourself regularly. What can you do today to submit? If it has control over you, if it feels like a priority, is it? Is it the right priority? It leads right back into habits, right? And so clubhouse, is it? Is it the right thing? Or does it just feel good? There's lots of conversations that you should be having on a continual basis. And I feel like when you have that person in your corner that's willing to stand with you in submission and conviction, but also stand with you to point out your point of integrity, you're a woman of integrity. I'll never forget that season of my life. He's never said it to me since because it, it triggers, right? Triggers the season, but it's so critical for us to be able to look in the mirror and say, are you the woman of integrity? Are you a woman redeemed? Hopefully that helps someone. Are you a woman of integrity? Are you a woman of redeemed? 
And what I also hear in your mindset is you're constantly renewing your mind. And then you're also protecting what you, which is part of that renewal process. You're also protecting what you allow to feed that space between the ears. And I think for some people, we really need to realize how vital that is, right? And then I also heard something when you talked about family and friends, you know, going in from spring to summer in that transitional time right now, the pruning season. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes the pruning season is one of the hardest things that we have to do. And I always say, sometimes you have to move people from the front row to the balcony, or sometimes yes, you need to call good. that bouncer and you need to get them removed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because because access is currency. And I always say that giving access to us, right? We are currency. We are worthy. And when we do, when we handle ourselves so haphazardly and give people who are not necessarily healthy for us access, it can be very, very um, challenging. So, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back on the other side of the break, you said a word that I'm curious for you to help us break down. And that's the word of submission. So we will be right back on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed, this is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it. Anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Well, we are here with our woman redeemed. And she said a word that sometimes can be a very sensitive, especially to um, some Christian women. So I'm just going to ask you, uh, Tamara, I'm going to tread very lightly, but I think um, it's on my heart to ask you because that means that somebody has uh, is going to be set free. So when you think about, you know, you are a woman of God and you've gone through a journey, a journey of redemption, and you talked to us and you gave us the the, the open up the windows and the doors to your house and, and talked about the challenges that you had with your husband, but then also his reflection of you, of being a woman of integrity and all those things. But, you know, sometimes because of the abuses of church in particular is where um, I go with some of that. Submission sometimes can be a bad word for wives, uh, especially. What are some of your thoughts on on being a woman um, who practices um, healthy submission, which contributes to healthiness in, in marriage? What are some of your thoughts on that? This is a good one. And I see why you went here. So I hope that it speaks to someone. So uh, a lot of times we hear like, who wears the pants in the relationship, right? And that was me, right? And I was proud to say I wore the pants. I was raised by a very hard-headed husband or husband, dad, and um, a very strong-willed mom. And so I got both of the best things going into my relationship with my sweet, subtle husband. Um, And yet I always felt, even though people from the outside in or even myself would kid that I wore the pants, that I was silenced and I was missing my voice. And that was apart from, you know, being literally physically and emotionally shushed since I was little. Again, I didn't have recollection of this. It had been so compressed into my spirit, into my, my memory. Um, and yet I constantly felt, even as he loved me, that he was winning every battle, that he was a salesman by nature um, as part of what he does. And so I constantly felt like anytime I had an idea, he would flip the switch on me and he would be selling me the thing that I, I didn't want. And then I would go and it would be his way. And so I constantly felt like I was at odds with what I truly wanted and what he wanted, rather than this place of we're in this together, let's come to a consensus. Um, And so when I say submission, you know, it, it does ruffle people's feathers the wrong way sometimes because of the back end of what can happen with that. Um, and there are negative things. And, and if you're in an abusive relationship, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, um, audibly is a huge thing. Um, it's this knowing that submission isn't about you submitting to them. It's you submitting to God. And so what happens is in order for me to be willing to submit and me being okay in this submission state, my husband had to be my counterpart in this submission. And so it's not one over the other. It's not one wearing the pants over the other. It's us at the same level together, submitting to the will of God in all things, in all things that have to do with parenting, in all things that have to do with our relationship, in all things that have to do with our business. And so we're, we're always coming to one another, even in his wisdom, he comes to me in my wisdom, even in my hard headedness, he comes to me and he greets me with a counter. And I was calling, why did the burst my bubble? I was so excited about that, right? He's a devil's advocate and he's not doing it to hurt me. He's doing it to help me. 
And, and God put us together with that symbiotic intention. And so rather than looking at him as somebody that's supposed to be under me or vice versa, we look at each other as a counterpart and we say, my strengths are your weaknesses and your weaknesses are my strengths. And so let me help you with this. And, and that again, goes back to intimacy and communication. And so without having those moments, I would never have just been like, okay, I get it, God, I'll submit. Because even though that's biblical, I was too stubborn. And, and I get those women who are like, There's, this will never be me. But what if your counterpart came to me, to you, your spouse came to you and said, all right, let's go there. Let me submit to you in my vulnerability. Let me submit to you in the things I've never shared with you. Right. Because as he was, I was an open book. There was no, I was, I had it all out on the table. He saw every deck of cards I could possibly have at that point in my life. And yet at the very same time, I couldn't fully let him in from a trust perspective until he let me into the places that I knew existed in his life as well. So there's that communication and intimacy and that intimacy then led into intimacy in the bedroom, which is a whole nother conversation. But I feel like our society is at odds with what sex is supposed to be and healthy sex within a marriage, a covenant marriage and God's intention for sex and all of those things. And I'm a huge advocate when it comes to sex before marriage, not doing that, even though I was guilty of that and raising my kids in a way that I can teach them about sex, teach them about their bodies in a way that the birds and the bees conversation never happened in my house. It was just, you don't do it and you shush up about it. So again, silenced. And so I think that there's so many conversations and submission in sex is one of those things, which is why I brought that up. Well, I think you absolutely set somebody free. You know what somebody's going to do? They're going to take this episode and they're going to let their spouse listen to it and they're going to rewind it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you got to come, both of you at the same level. <laughs> so good. And then, I mean, it's a whole other conversation, but you're absolutely right. I mean, we are in such a uh, pornified society. It doesn't take much, um, especially if you opened up your Instagram and other areas, it's just um, such a widespread uh, messaging, especially to women of what sexuality should be. But I won't open that can of worms right now. Yeah, because, that's another uh, conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole show, a show about that. But I want to pivot a little bit back to you because I think a lot of, I think a lot of your story, a lot of women in particular are going to relate to parts of your story that will help them to, to be free and to walk into their own purpose. So I always like to ask people who I feel like are in their flow. And when I hear you and um, experience your presence, I just always feel like you're in the flow. So what would you say are your gifts and how they are clues to what you feel like you're here to do and your purpose? Yeah, I, I do this. I did this dissection of my own life um, as I sat probably three years from the moment that I let everything go. And I just pursued identity and I, I pursued that nucleus. And I sat on the back porch with my husband and I knew in my root that entrepreneurship was not going away. I knew that being a mom, I was like fulfilled in the fact that I got to be with them, but I wasn't fulfilled in the fact of, of the fact that I knew that there was more for me. And we would sit and we would have conversations and we kind of dream together about what's next for me. I was in school um, doing my ordination and minister's licensing for a while. So I knew the pursuit of Jesus was a massive part of my life to come, uh, still is and still always be. But we sat there and he had his feet propped up on the back patio table. And he's like, what are you passionate about? When you think about what you're passionate about, what are you passionate about? And I was silent. 
and he's looking at me, his eyes got really big. And he's thinking about the fact that we like spent all of our savings on the business boutique and online store that we launched. We spent all of our savings when we got into this other um, nursing bra company and we built out this store, like all the stuff that is gone out the window, right? You spent a decade doing something you're not passionate about. And he thought for sure he knew the answer. And this is a cool thing about communicating vulnerably with your spouse is that you're not the person they think you are. And so you always get to date them. You always get to date them. Show up like you're showing up on your first date and it will be amazing every single time. So he waited, as I said, I don't know. And he said that exact thing. What do you mean? This isn't what you're passionate about. And I was like, you know, I, I was it pregnant when I opened that and now I'm not pregnant. And so I'm in a different season of life. And I think the thing that I miss the most is just the people. I miss encouraging the moms when they came through the door. I miss dressing them and seeing them light up because we were talking not necessarily about that, how they looked, but how they felt. And, and that outlining point of, of wholeness that is, is given to a woman when she feels good. I pursued health for a very long time. I was a gymnast for 16 years. And so I was a personal trainer and nutrition coach on into my 20s. I was still working out a lot at this time. Um, so we started unpacking and, and through this conversation, not just in the passions, but also in the pains, we realized that there was some transformation points that had taken place. What did the previous Tamara view fitness as? What does the new Tamara view fitness as? What did the old Tamara view church like? What is the new Tamara view church like? And so there's this process that you can go through always knowing that you're still becoming. So I could do this today and it could be different from who I was a year ago. But I realized that my gifts are in encouraging. My gifts are in connecting. My gifts are in truly illuminating other people from the inside out by pointing out to them the things that they've yet to recognize in themselves. Being that mirror moment that I shied away from for so long, being that for other people, allowing me to help emulate in the life the thing that they have yet to do. So to give you a great example, and I was having this conversation just with some of my best friends a couple weekends ago, they became our pastors um, in this season of darkness five-ish years ago, and um, they were previous clients of my husband. So never doubt a connection point. Two years before he put HVAC system in their house, Two years later, he remembered, oh, that guy told me he was a pastor. We were looking for a church. We had called 11 churches in our city. All were closed on this Wednesday night. And Wednesday night service was all we were able to attend at that point and needed. And he remembered that person. God dropped him in his spirit. He still had his phone number in his phone. And we went to that service. And they were so nervous because it was their D string that was there to support the Wednesday night service. Like A string, B string, C string was at a conference. D string. They were like, we should cancel. These people are coming. This is going to be terrible. Anyway, we, we came to that church service. We became really engrossed with these two amazing human beings who we still call pastors and dear friends today. And we rubbed off on each other. And what I mean by that is that in our submission, they also submit in our friendship to be convicted and to say, okay, while we are guiding you as the shepherd that we are in this area of our life, you also needed to be guided, they did, in this specific way. So Gary and I being fitness buffs and nutrition, they now are doing 75 hard, which you hear everybody talking about. Um, they would have never done that five years ago. And so there is this becoming process as you um, create circles that are, are willing to iron sharpen iron with you and to realize that your gift 
gifts, while they may not look like superior to what you might think a superior is, it's no different than the submission conversation with your spouse. We are all created equal. And that goes for everyone, every color, every ethnicity, every cultural um, space, every gift and talent, right? Just because someone's prophetic doesn't mean that your gifting of prayer being an intercessor isn't as important. And yet we glorify things in life and we glorify bodies. And here we are as women redeemed, we glorify other women because their bodies are a certain way of a caliber, but yet maybe their spiritual life is completely broken. You don't know everything that's happening in people's lives. And yet you aspire to something that might like my life be broken. And so alignment is my gifting. My, my heart is to encourage, to illuminate and to align women from the inside out so they can serve abundantly the people that they're intended to serve in the way that they're intended to serve. I specifically love entrepreneurs, but I think <laughs> mompreneurs, I think women and teachers and people who just exist in that nucleus of home, I'm equally as important and called to the mom as I am to the CEO. Well, there is no doubt that you know what your gifting is. <laughs> and I'm on day 45 of uh, yeah. <laughs> the, you, the BWC awesome. crew. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I was halfway through it. I'm like, there's no turning back and I'm not starting over. So you yes, know, it's been a couple of nights. I'm jugging down water, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> yes. Peeing nonstop. It's terrible, but it's amazing. It, it, <laughs> Your it skin is. looks great. It is. And I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> That's so awesome. You're almost there. Thank you. You know, and, and part of, you know, talking about 75 hard, you know, we think about just bigger belief, right? And we think about bigger belief and high expectancy. And I believe those are breeding grounds for miracles, you know? So in what areas have you, Tamara, and do you need to get on your level of faith and expectancy so you can keep moving up so that you can impact and do all the things that God has called you to do? I think it's continuing in that that journey of conviction, as I mentioned earlier. I also I, I say this a lot and just recently was told um, in another interview that it's a book. And I say, look for your God winks all the time. My Nana used to wink at me all the time. My dad used to wink at me all the time. And they're just fond moments of they see you from across the room and they see the fullness of who you are and they're gifting you something special in that moment, a token to take with you and to affirm you. And so I am not around my Nana obviously anymore and my dad not as frequently. And so I am constantly in search of the God winks in my life. A lot of people call them coincidences, um, happenstance. Um, I can't believe that that happened. Well, God can. And so I live my life in pursuit of God winks and, and being able to connect the dots to those God winks. And I found out that it's a book called when God winks. I actually have it right here. Cause I literally just read it a couple of days ago. It's, it's by Squire Rushnell. Somebody sent it to me and I got to read it last week and it, infuses every part of my being and every belief system that I have. And so the pursuit of pursuing the presence of God in my life every single day is where I want to stay. And I'm not very good at being present. I'm super fast paced. I was with my um, uncle Paco, Tio Paco. He goes by Francisco Medina as an mm -hmm. artist. He's globally known for his artwork and has an entire university of um, 
Guadalajara has gifted him an entire plot of land um, that he will own until he passes just to do his art. And it is amazing. It's called Las Barrancas. And he cannot speak English, or if he can, he chooses not to. And so I really had to practice my Spanish when we were there. And he had just built during COVID this meditation room. And I was like, gosh, I'm terrible at meditating. And I know that meditation and manifestation and all of these things are biblical phraseologies. Okay. Not a secular, they just are used in the secular, sometimes in the wrong way. Again, who you're listening to, how you're listening to and how your heart is open to different people. Please be mindful of, um, cause it can go astray very quickly. And so he's sitting there and I'm like, grandpa, how in Spanish, I'm not going to do it for you now. Cause I'm sure all my phraseology would be wrong. <laughs> how do you, how do you meditate and, and what is your trick to it? And he said, there is no trick and there is no time. And I, I was like, well, there's kind of time because people said that they meditate for like 30 minutes and I can only do it for like four and a half. I can't even get to the five minute mark. And he's like, no, there's no time when you meditate. And so when there's no time, there's no gauge of, of success or failure. And that just unlocks something in me that I think is so precious for people. We're all looking at this timeline. Like I said, when I pulled into that driveway to bring it full circle, I pulled into that driveway and I said, this is not my tombstone. And so many people have these bucket lists that they live off of one day. That's on my bucket list. What if your bucket list starts today? What if you go out right now and you pursue the God wink in your life, the happenstance, the circumstance, it worked out. You met that person. You got that phone call. You got that big break. You have that moment, that meeting canceled. So you have 30 minutes to meditate. We, we are always gauging everything based on time, based on success and based on failure. But if none of that exists, then what is right now? This very moment, it's an opportunity. Hmm. It's a gift. It's another God wink. Hmm. And so my heart is to just be better at that be better at living in the right now. Hmm. Better at living in the right now and paying attention to those God wings. I love that. And I could totally see you writing a book, sitting yeah. on the virtual stage with you and hearing your story and just being able to unleash until you can help so many. And, and a book will be a way that people can sit with you and your story and get unleashed in so many ways. So I second. (laughs) It's coming. It's in the editing process right now, actually. It's been three years in the making. So I cannot wait to get it out. Look at that. I'm so excited. Thank you you for affirming. Absolutely. And you kind of talked about a, a few of these sayings that we constantly hear. You know, we often hear this saying, what is meant to be is me. You know, I have always heard that saying and, you know, in all types of settings, but we know that's not a biblical principle. It's a hollow mantra that gives us permission to be passively, to passively Mm. play with God as opposed Mm. to pursuing our assignments. But I believe, you know, we know that the enemy wants us to stay in a place of waiting on the right time, delaying becoming who we were meant to be. But what is it that you feel like God is asking you to start to reinvent or take to the next level? We talked about the book being the resource, but when you think about what's been in your heart. Yeah, I, I recently through Clubhouse actually uh, did my longest run I've ever done. And I was on that run and my kids were on their bikes with me. And I had this recognition as my son was complaining that it was cold. Mind you, he didn't have shoes on. He was wearing shorts. It was also like 55 degrees. So it wasn't that bad. And I thought, uh, as he said, I'm cold. 
and I want to turn around. I thought, buddy, I'm the one running over here. This is difficult. <laughs> and I said, comfort is not an option. Comfort is not an option. When God called Peter out of the boat, he, he didn't say what to bring. He didn't say what not to bring. He didn't say or ask to ask any questions. He just had a command. And so I desire, instead of being in a place of comfort, because comfort to me is complacency, to be a converter, to convert the energy God has given me into serving the earth, serving the planet, serving the people that I'm connected to, whomever and however that happens, right? And so audibly, yes, through words, yes, um, through, through hugging, through loving, through international retreats in Mexico and Costa Rica, getting people outside of their comfort zone, because that's what I needed. I needed somebody to pick me up, plunk, pluck me out of the supersonic rat wheel that I was living, the American dream, if you will, to look me eye to eye and to say, you're fully known, you're fully loved, and you're fully seen. And it's okay. And so that's what my heart is for women. That's what my heart is for people. I know my husband and I at some point are going to come into cohesion um, to be able to serve right now. He tells me that he's my propel. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. He will never be on camera anytime soon, <laughs> but I can snag a good photo of him every once in a while. So stay tuned to my Instagram and you'll see him um, make his debut every once in a while. But yeah, I, I just, that's my heart. Um, I want to convert energy for people. I want to convert their passion and purpose into reality and truly make an impact in the kingdom. Faith-based businesses is surely one of them. I like that. He's your propel <laughs> and giving everyone the gift through who you are showing up in the world to be seen and to be heard and to be loved and experience all those things. So what would you say, Tamara, on how you would want to be remembered for the time that you were here on this earth as we, as you opened up and talked about that tombstone? Surely joy would be the answer. I, I want people to see the joy that Jesus has gifted me in my life. And it doesn't mean that I don't cry. It doesn't mean that I ha don't have hard days. It doesn't mean that me and my husband's relationship is always perfect or that I'm mother just right or any of that. But um, I am sure that when people meet me, they see the joy of the Lord. And that's my, that's my legacy. That will be my legacy. That will be your legacy. The joy of the world. Thank you so much, Tamara, for being with us. It was a gift. You know, in closing, I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains and wipe away every stain. Now, I'm not who I used to be. Oh God, I'm not who I used to be. Jesus, I'm not who I used to be because I am redeemed. Thank God, redeemed. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week.